1: The presenting sponsor of today's podcast is Fifth Element CBD. Fifth Element is ultra-high milligram CBD focused on relief and recovery after a workout. They are specially designed for people with an active lifestyle from weekend warriors to professional athletes to bucket list gym enthusiasts. Fifth Element, aka 5E, is full-spectrum high milligram hemp to help you whenever, wherever you need it, whether it's after the gym or after work. Get yours today to feel better tomorrow by visiting 5ehemp.com and use the promo code MONSTER for 50% off. Yes, you heard that right. 50% off. Half off. That's 5ehemp.com and use the code MONSTER. Go to 5ehemp and get 50% off. That's the number 5, the letter E, hemp.com. You're listening to the Red Sea Podcast, part of the Over the Monster Network.
0: Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions.
1: Hosted by Jake Devereaux.
0: It's gone. It's into the bullpen. This game is tied. This game is tied. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. And featuring Keaton DeRocher. It's a grand slam. I'm telling you.
1: Welcome back to another episode of the Red Seat Podcast. This is episode number two hundred and two. Uh, I am Matt Collins. I'm going to be doing the hosting duties today, and I am joined today by Jake, Jake Devereaux. Jake, what's going on, man? Uh, not too much, Matt. Happy to be back for another episode. Uh, it's
2: been a little bit since we've been on together, so uh, except for yeah, the speaker, I, I think but... yeah, except for the emergency episode, but uh, for a proper show, it's been. I don't know what, like
1: a month. Kind of weird. I, I don't have any sense of time at this point. You can tell me it's been <laughs> six years or six days. I, I have no idea. Yeah. Well. Every day. Happy to, to be to here. <laughs> 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 Starting off on a happy note, as as per usual. Uh, yeah. So, like I said, we talked over the weekend. Uh, we talked about the Andrew Attendee trade. Uh, we're not going to really spend much time on that at all today because we already covered that. But one thing that did happen while we were recording that. Um, right towards the end was Marwin Gonzalez officially signed, or not officially, but reportedly signed a deal with the Red Sox Um, who knows how long that will take to actually be official, Uh, but he is coming to the Red Sox, it is a one year deal, base salary 3 million, it's about a million dollars in playing time bonuses on top of that but, I mean the Red Sox have been connected to Gonzalez in rumors for, I don't know, like a month now Um, so not really something that snuck up on us. Do you like the fit? Do you like the deal? Yeah, I I like it.
2: Uh, Specifically. I like it because it's a one year, $3 million contract. So it just feels tremendously low risk. Um, We outlined a few of the reasons why Marvin Gonzalez was an attractive player. And also a few of the reasons why he was not an attractive player. I mean, he's, he's certainly not the guy who he was in 2017, the trash can year. Um, although I was listening to a different podcast and they, uh, the Sox prospects podcast had pointed out that he actually had better splits on the road, um, that year, which is kind of interesting because we think of all of his performance that year as being a product of, of what was going on. But, um, regardless, I mean, Marvin Gonzalez is a fine bat. He's a switch hitter. He plays all over the diamond, which... Uh, enables them to do a lot of things and um you know i think it's tremendously ro- low risk because if he doesn't work out they can just simply dfa him and not worry about it too much so it, it seems to make a whole lot of sense
1: yeah i was down on it when we were talking about it the other day um pretty clearly a lot of that's because i had been thinking he was going to get at least two years um fangraphs readers they Reader poll had projected two years for $16 million, and generally speaking, they've been a little bit lower than what the actual contracts have come out to, so I was just kind of assuming two sixteen was kind of the baseline. Um, so that was, I mean, I would have been upset at a two-year deal for Gonzalez, but yeah, I mean, one-three, that's, that's nothing. That's like what I expected Mitch Moreland to get. Um, so, I mean, like you said, he listed out all the reasons. He's a little bit below average at the plate, um, but can play all over the place. Opens up just a ton of opportunities for this Red Sox lineup and Alex Cora and how he can kind of get anybody, everybody in and out. So um, yeah, I mean it's not a not a game changing move, but it's it's good enough. Were you I mean were you surprised surprised by surprised as me by how little they took.
2: Yeah, it really was, especially for a guy who was a hot commodity just a few years ago. Um, and, he, you know, he wasn't terrible with the Twins when he signed that deal, so... Um, he was pretty terrible last you year. Know, yeah, he had a... But, like, 20... Yeah, no, no, you know, no, like, no totally. What do, we, what do we say about that? Um And, and the po- positional versatility here just opens up so many interesting avenues on this roster so there's a real possibility that they run with a three-man bench because of this with Polecki as the catcher and Arroyo and Marvin Gonzalez uh, being super subs everywhere um, with Enrique Hernandez uh, on this roster as well because Hernandez we know is going to play second in probably some center field and then Marvin Gonzalez can play the corner positions he can also play first base he can play uh, second base, if he needs to, he can play third base. Um, he can play everywhere, and then Christian Arroyo has played short, second, and third as well. Um, so really, between those three guys, Kike Arroyo and and Marwin, they can really cover
1: everything. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. Yeah, um, we'll get we'll get to the bench in a little bit, um, but as far as Marwin specifically goes, "Where do you think he's going to play the most?"
2: I think if I had to guess, he's going to play the most at first base. I think he's going to split time there with Bobby dahlbeck a good amount, and I think that he will play end up playing a decent amount of second base um on days when uh, Hernandez is in center field.
1: Yeah, I thought I was a little surprised when I looked. I thought that Gonzalez had played more second base in his career than he actually has. Um, he hasn't played a whole lot there. He's never played more than looks like thirty-two games. Um, never started more than nineteen. Um, I think that's where it makes the most sense. Um, obviously, this is barring any other additions, uh, which we'll get to in a second as well. But I just I continue to think that the best way to manage this roster is with Hernandez in center. And then that opens up second base, and I feel like that's where the most opportunities come from Marwin Gonzalez. I mean, I don't think that... I think that Bobby Dalbeck is going to play a little more than it sounds like you do. I think that Cordero is going to get a good amount of time, at least to start of the year, in left field. Obviously, the left side of the infield is locked down pretty tight. It just seems like second base is where the most opportunities are, but I don't know. It seems like they're really rolling with Hernandez as second baseman. It's just maybe I'm just totally misreading that because that just makes no sense to me, to be honest.
2: Yeah. Um, it's hard to know what exactly Bloom has in mind, but. Um... I don't have a problem with them rolling as with Verdugo as pretty much the everyday center fielder. My issue isn't because so much, he is so young.
1: Yeah, my issue isn't with Verdugo at center field. It's that that makes basically Hunter Renfro an everyday player. That's my issue. Unless you're throwing Marwin yeah. Gonzalez in right field, which I guess you can do.
2: Right. That that's the other thing I was thinking is that Marwin could play right.
1: Yeah, I guess I don't know enough about his. I'll feel defense to know how I feel about that at Fenway. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I don't know. I I, I definitely think that you'll see at least one game a week where Hernandez is in center field. But that also might mean that Verdugo isn't right on those days. Well,
1: that's what I That's what I think is the best. I think that's the best version of this team is if the way it's constructed right now, obviously, if they bring in another center fielder, that changes. But I think Hernandez and center Verdugo and Right, uh, Cordero and Renfro platooning in left, and then Gonzalez at second base. Obviously, you can that's not that doesn't have to be set in stone. The versatility means you can move guys around, but I think that as a base lineup is the best possible version of this team.
2: There also might be an argument for playing Renfro and Cordero, um, more than you might want them to to see what you have in them, specifically with Cordero. I mean. Health has been the limiting factor to getting him on the field over the course of his career, so you might want to see what he looks like healthy in an everyday role.
1: Yeah, I think that's fair, and I think that's... It depends on how you're looking at the season, I guess. I was just talking about what I think is the going to give you the most wins. Um, yeah. But I think there's definitely a good argument that even that version of the team that I think is the best still isn't a playoff team, so you might as well do that. I just... I guess I'm just not very excited about Hunter Renfro. I don't really need to see more, but I think I'm probably lower on him than a lot of people, and maybe he'll surprise me.
2: Well, you're definitely lower on him than Keaton is. He's pretty much can't get over the fact that Hunter Renfro is part of this team. In a good way? Yeah, he's obsessed with... So, one thing you have to know about Keaton is that he's been obsessed with Hunter Renfro and Garrett Richards for, like, the last five years. Richards, I can see. Renfro's um, a little weird. Yeah, well, he's a weird guy. Um, but, uh, yeah, he's pretty much
1: living his best life now that both of them are members of the Red Sox. I'm glad so. somebody is. Um, yeah. I'm pretty psyched about Richards. Um, Me too. I mean, I'm not expecting a ton just because, you know, his history and all that. Even even if, you, even if the injury history is a little overblown, which I think it is and a lot of people have argued for, he still hasn't thrown a lot. Like the workload is still a major concern.
2: Yeah, um, yeah, I agree with that, but uh, I'm very excited for the talent, and uh, I think that he's going to be a fun player to watch every time he's
1: on the mound. As long as he still has that mustache, that, that should be true. Right. Uh, <laughs> last Marlon Gonzalez thing, uh, what, in terms of, like, we'll start with playing time, just how many games are you expecting?
2: Um games huh uh i I always think of things in terms of more of plate appearances so i think he's gonna get 400 to 450 plate appearances pretty easily
1: yeah i think i'd go higher than that i feel like he's almost an everyday player i'd go i'm tempted to go 500 that might be a little much but 450 to 500 range i think um
2: well, he was 500-plus every year, 2016, 2017, 2018. Yeah. So, yeah, you're probably right, Matt. I'm probably low-balling it here. I was thinking 450 was going to be kind of aggressive, but, you know, given his history, um, 500 seems pretty well within range, especially if they're running with a three-man
1: bench. Yeah, and there's just there's so many places where you can see underperformance where they just need somebody to play all the time between – Renfro and Cordero, and then Dahlbeck, who knows what happens with him. Um, who knows what they think about the outfield defense, they move Hernandez out there more. Uh, I'm not very high on Christian Arroyo. Um, yeah, it just feels like there's too many opportunities for him not to play a lot.
2: Yeah, and uh, the fact that he's a career 261 hitter against both lefties and righties uh, makes it so I think that he'll be in the lineup
1: quite a bit. Yeah, he doesn't have to be platooned or anything like that, which is always nice. Yeah. Um, so with Gonzalez signing, um some people have said that it seems like the roster is finished. I'm curious where you stand on that. Do you think they should sign another player or two? Well, initially, uh,
2: my my first reaction was that they still had room for another bench piece. Um, and I've kinda talked myself out of that after looking at, you know, people who were better at this stuff than I am at their arguments for why a three-man bench would work um and I do think that it does make a lot of sense considering the weirdness about pitching uh in a season after COVID I think having more arms as options makes a lot of sense so I kind of do think that that is the route that makes the most sense For this year, I still am much more of a proponent of a four man bench than having a bigger bullpen. I think that that's generally the way that I'd prefer things to go. But with this year, I think that that's how they're going to start the year. So I do think that they are done adding to this team at this point. I'd be really surprised if there was anything added to this
1: 26 man at this point i think i would be surprised too but i don't agree that it's the best way to go um i get where you're coming from with the pitching issues and i think that is a thing but at the same time 13 pitchers is still a lot of pitchers and between guys like hernandez and andreese and whitlock um they have guys that can go multiple innings they have guys with options and taylor and valdez um who can go up and down when you need a fresh arm. I think you can work your way around that. And I just feel like this team is more complete if they can sign. Whether it's a Kevin Pillar or a Mitch Moreland or um, whoever's still up there for second base. Um, that, that pool is kind of shrinking a little bit. Um, but I mean, Brad Miller could make some sense. I just feel like there's gonna be injuries in camp. It, there's a if there is an injury to a position player, all of a sudden you have Michael Chavis as part of a three-man bench. I don't like that or Yairo Munoz. Right. So I I would I would like to see one more position player added. I I agree that I don't think it's gonna happen, but I would. That's the way I would roll.
2: Yeah, the, the initial thought for me was that it should be one of either Kevin Pillar or Mitch Moreland uh, being added to this mix. Um, and the guy who I would take out of the bullpen would be probably Austin Bryce. I know that he's this spin rate darling, um, and he has a pretty good strikeout rate and stuff like that. But, you know, he's the he, he didn't really impress me too much last year, so that would be the guy who I would personally remove uh, from the bullpen. Um and it, I think if they were to go that route, the guy who I would want them to get is Kevin Pillar, Uh over over Mitch Moreland at this point. Because I feel like Marwin, um, Marwin can do that uh, Mitch Moreland role, um, and I think he can do it fine. I think Kevin Pilar gives you more flexibility late in games to have a better defensive alignment, um, and it will allow you to use Hernandez more. Uh, at second base um so i I think that just generally that's the fit that's best for the team and if they were to sign pilar uh and and get rid of one of the relievers i think that that would be
1: totally fine yeah i think i agree my head says pilar is the right move my heart says Moreland. um i don't know what it is about mitch Moreland, man but he is he's fun to root for um (laughs) <laughs> the other part of this is that yeah. these I mean we're getting late in the offseason especially a guy like Mitch Moreland or like a Brad Miller they might be minor league signings at this point
0: um especially yeah, if they want to get
1: yeah. to camp on time and I think Pilar probably gets a major league deal um whenever Jackie Bradley Jr. signs he'll probably sign like the next day with somebody um but I I, I guess I do agree um just having somebody else who could play center field really helps this roster a lot um yeah. You brought up the bullpen, so I want to look at the bullpen a little bit because there are some interesting decisions to be made here uh, by the end of camp. So I think let's start with the locks. I think there are six locks the way I see it. Uh, Matt Barnes, Adam Modavino, Salamora, Darwins and Hernandez, and Therese and Prazier um, agree that they're all locks.
2: Yes. The one guy who I'm like a tiny bit on the fence about is brazier yeah, I
1: figured he yeah
2: just because he's making a little bit more money and uh you know his performance was a little bit up and down over the last two years
1: yeah i think i think people are underrating how good brazier was last year um he wasn't like a lights out arm or anything but he an an 86 era minus 71 fit minus um
2: It's just such a small sample. I'm just hesitant to, to, you know, if we're not going to penalize guys, I think it's unfair for us to overly reward guys. No, I
1: I agree. But I I guess I would say two of the last three years he's been, I mean, he was great in 2018. Uh, 2019 he was, I don't know that he was bad, but he was mediocre at best. Um, He had a really bad stretch and then was okay uh, sort of surrounding that. And then last year, I think he was good enough that he's a lock in this bullpen. Um, he does have an option, hmm. so I guess I could see that argument pushing him away. But I just don't think the competition is good enough to push him out. I think he's better than Bryson Taylor. Yeah. Well, I might quibble with Taylor, but I'm possibly too high on Josh Taylor. Um, okay, so that, that would be Six. So there's either two or three spots after that, depending on how many people on the bench. Uh, for It's probably between Garrett Whitlock, who is a Rule 5 pick, so obviously if they don't keep him, he goes back to the Yankees, Josh Taylor, who has an option, Phillips Valdez, who has an option, and Austin Bryce, who does not have an option. Um, right. So if only one goes, who do you think that is? Uh, Phillips Valdez. Phillips Valdez will be optioned, I think. I think so, too. I think it is close between him and Taylor. Um, I do too. Could come down to health. Yeah. Well, that was the part. That was the point I was going to bring up after this, um, because as much as we always have these competitions be t- before camp, somebody's going to get hurt, <laughs> so it's probably yeah. not going to be uh, that much of a dis- decision, anyways. Um, but I think if everybody's healthy, I think that is a legit camp battle uh, between Taylor and Valdez. Um, Taylor being a lefty I think helps a little bit, but Valdez is, Valdez is so weird. He's almost a lefty because he throws change-ups like 60% of the time. Yeah, um, I don't totally buy into his performance last year, and I totally buy into Taylor's performance a couple years ago, so I think that's what gives him the edge to me, but I think that'll be an interesting one to watch.
2: Yeah, I think Taylor's the more traditional um, power kind of bullpen arm from the left side who checks a lot of boxes and I think is probably a better option when they're both healthy and uh, and going right. I think Valdez surprised a lot of people last year and I think his changeup is a legitimate weapon um, but I'm just not sure um, what that's going to look like over the course of a full season and how long he's going to be able to keep guys off balance with that mix that he has going. Um, so yeah, all things equal, uh, give the give the nod to Taylor there, but Valdez really did impress me last year. He had really good command, and that changeup was awesome.
1: Yeah, I think a lot of this also could come down to um, what kind of role they put Darwins and Hernandez in. Um, if they want, if he like is firing in camp, and they come out of camp and they want him as one of like their top three guys, and they're saving him for late innings, I think that makes Taylor a lot more likely to fit the roster because then they can have Taylor for sort of the middle inning lefties um, and still be able to hold on to Hernandez for late in games. Um, But who knows what Hernandez is going to look like. Um, Do you
2: think there's any chance Hernandez ends up as the closer by, like, May?
1: uh, End of May, I could see. Um, I could totally see him being the closer at some point this summer. Um, May might be a little early because I feel like they'll cycle through Barnes and Ottavino first. Um, and so two months to cycle through two guys and already have Hernandez cemented in as well. Um, unless there's injuries, seems like a little soon. But I wouldn't be surprised if he sort of has like a 2019 workman kind of ascension where he just becomes the closer. Sort of in the blink of an eye uh, sometime like June, July.
0: Cause you could
2: totally see a guy his age, twenty four years old. You know, if he proves to be fully healthy and his stuff is good, um, he could be like that type of guy who comes in and gets you know one point two innings in a a save. You know, goes more than one inning and uh, and locks the game down. He could have that type of
1: a workload. I think. Yeah, I think so too. But I mean, it's I don't want to uh, count the chickens before they hatch. He's he's got to throw more strikes. I mean, there's just. Yeah. I'm I'm trying to not buy so much into the upside here um, just because I feel like in the past it's sort of blinded me to his issues and I mean you know we know that you can work around walks in the bullpen we've we've watched Matt Barnes for years we watched Craig Kimbrell for a while um, if your stuff is good enough you can work around it and Hernandez has good enough stuff but his walk rates are at levels that you can't overcome I mean he's Career eighteen percent walk rate. The sample is not huge, so I'm not I'm certainly not burying yeah. the guy, but I I wanna see it before I really start to talk about him seriously as a closer. Yeah, that's more than fair. Um so back to those four if they do go with a four man bench, I don't think either of us think that's gonna happen, but if they do and they have to get rid of somebody else other than Velas, do you think it's Taylor or do you think they move on from a guy like Bryce or Whitlock?
2: I think they're more likely to option Taylor than they are move on from Bryce, who's out of options, or give back Whitlock.
1: Yeah, I think so too. I think, I think the only way that happens if it, is if Bryce just looks like garbage in camp. If he's throwing like, if his fastball's down, if he's just giving up a ton of hard contact, I could see that. Um, but barring anything like that, I think they'll always opt to just keep the most depth on hand as possible. Yeah, agreed. Uh, there's also been rumors over the last like 24 hours or so. This is kind of surprising to me that they could be looking to add another reliever to the mix. Does yeah. that surprise you? That does surprise me. I you know
2: because like you said, it feels pretty full at this point with these six locks, and then uh, Bryce being out of options and Whitlock being a Rule Five pick, it really leaves just the Josh Taylor spot. Um, if you believe they're going with a a three-man bench, but, you know, Josh Taylor does have options, so if they're looking
1: to go this super-depth role, um, I could see it. Yeah, and I mean, like we said, injuries happen, especially this spring, it feels like there's going to be a lot of injuries, Um so I guess, I think it does, the more I think about it, the more sense, I guess it makes, and there are some, I mean, there's not a ton of big names left, but there are some interesting names, I mean, Trevor Rosenthal's still out there, I don't know that they're going to go quite that far unless his market's tanked to like a Marlon gonzalez level um i mean there's brandon workman i don't know how excited i am about that um but i know some people are uh shane green camp and a guy i've always liked uh david Rod- robertson i've always liked although who knows what his health situation is um so that i mean there are some interesting names Chaz Rowe, they're reportedly at chas Rowe's um throwing didn't sign. you have tommy john I, he's throwing again. He just threw in front of scouts. I don't know if he's ready to come back uh, right away, but I know the Red Sox did watch him throw. Okay. Um, but, yeah, I mean, there are some names like that that I guess I could see. I wouldn't want to be spending big money on any of those names. Even Trevor Rosenthal, I think I'm a little down on compared to some other people. Uh, but any of those names in particular stand out to?
2: Yeah, I mean, the obvious one, Rosenthal, just because I'm a huge proponent of having a locked-in, no-doubt, ninth inning role uh, on the team. I think that benefits, has a trickle-down benefit on the rest of the bullpen. So I would love to see them get a guy like Rosenthal and just be like, okay, the ninth inning's his, and the rest of you guys will figure it out around him. Um, That, to me, always just seems to work the best. Um, So that would be the most interesting thing there. Yeah,
1: I think so too. I just, I don't, I I don't know. It seems like he's going to get a two-year deal and I don't see them giving out that kind of contract I feel like they're looking for something for like a, a one-year deal for like three million like Martin Gonzalez hey it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels so whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City go Kevin or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda you never have to miss a trip ever again So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting.
0: Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline.
1: plus.
2: Yeah, probably. Yeah, it's 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 unlikely at this point. But I have to say that, you know, just looking at the bullpen depth options at this point, and we're talking about even optioning guys like Josh Taylor, I mean, there's just so much more depth on this team than there was going into last year. So many more interesting names. Um, even like the emergence of Edward Bizardo and, and some other options uh, just makes it a lot more interesting. It just seems like we're not going to have, have as many struggles to get outs this year as we did last year. Those are those are some famous last words. <laughs> well, it can't be worse, man, uh, that, right?
1: I mean, again, famous last words, but yes, I, I would imagine that it can't be any worse. <laughs> uh, all right, so this is something that we apparently have to talk about every single week because they just refused to make any of these moves official. They did officially add, um, Martin Perez after about a month uh, from what his reporting. (laughs) His signing was first reported. Uh, they designated Chris Mazza for assignment. Um, Mm -hmm. I was surprised by that. Were you surprised by that? No. Interesting.
2: Um, I, I wasn't because I'm not a huge Mazza guy, but also, um, again, uh, a nugget that i i listened to on on the socks prospects podcast was that maza and a few of the other guys who they have snuck through uh as dfas um have these split contracts that guarantee them eight hundred thousand bucks um so it, it's kind of like a deterrent to other teams to claim them um and apparently because he has one of those, you know, a team would have to pay him that much money. So it's it's an indirect way of the Red Sox flexing their financial muscle in order to... $800,000? $800,000 split contract, yeah. And I guess the minimum would be, you know, substantially less than that. So it takes out a bunch of those financially uh, conscious clubs from the running of claiming guys like that. So... Yeah, it's wow. a it's kind of a tricky little maneuver there. I'm
1: unconvinced that $800,000 is preventing anything from happening.
2: Well, I don't know. Like some of these teams like the Pirates and well, whatever The, Pirate. you know, the Pirates these... are not a baseball team. They refuse to
1: acknowledge the existence <laughs> of the Pittsburgh Pirates.
2: But I mean, the Pirates look like a well-run org compared to the Colorado Rockies these days,
1: so I, I... I don't want to turn this into a Pirates podcast, but they're projected for, like, 55 wins this year so we can pump the brakes on well-run anything. I know they're moving in a direction, <laughs> but... But, I mean, I, I don't know. Joel Piamps got claimed. Um, it just... I mean, designating Maza to me, just indicates that they have confidence that guys like Connor Siebold and Brian Mata might be ready sooner than we think. Um, because, I mean, there's between Piams and Mazza, I mean, those are two starting pitching options, and their depth right now to start the year is now Tanner Matt um, Madden Drees, Garrett Whitlock. I mean, that's not terrible, but I just figured that they would go with a guy like Springs or Walden before they dug more into their pitching, starting pitching depth, especially since Mazza still had an option.
2: Yeah, that's very fair. Um, I I don't necessarily think that Maza
1: is out of the org though. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, he definitely know, could he, clear. I'd, he will probably clear. Thinks, I don't know. Probably. I. I feel like he's better than Piamps, and Piamps got claimed. I don't think Piamps had one of those eight hundred thousand dollar contracts though. Man, I just I don't want to live in a world where eight hundred thousand dollars is making is having these decisions be made.
0: Maybe it is. Welcome
1: to, to just, hell, Matt. That seems insane. to me. <laughs> It. I think it's true
2: though. I think that's where baseball is. That fringy moves. If they're going to cost your organization three hundred thousand dollars more, you're going to choose to not make the move that costs
1: three hundred thousand dollars more. That's such trash. Not. I mean, I'm sure it's yeah. true, but that's that makes me. That that's making me angry. I don't really want to talk about this anymore. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's that's legitimately like getting my blood pressure up. Um, all right, let's. Let's not let me have a heart attack on this podcast. Um, <laughs> so they still have to make, let's call it one 40-man move. Chris Sale's going to be moved to the 60-day IL. I don't know when that it can officially happen. I don't know if it's one pitcher's a catcher's report or if it's one uh, workout start or full-team workouts. But sometime within the next week to 10 days, um, mm. he'll be moved. So presumably... One of Gonzalez or Sawamora will be moved to his spot. So, who's the next man to be cut? Because they still need to open up one more. Hmm. Walden? It's got to be Walden. I don't think it's got to be Walden. Right? Um. Who who would be over Walden for you? It's I don't know that they would be. Walden might be number one. Maybe I think Walden. Maybe Marcus Wilson. Yeah, Walden Wilson and Springs are like the three yeah. to me that stand out. Well, you've talked me
2: into yeah. Springs' viability on this roster too many times. So I, I'm not saying I, I keep would. Like, I'm
1: saying what I think will happen because I think I am higher on Jeffrey Springs than any. Oh, let's be honest, anybody frankly should be at this point. I've kinda of talked myself into a corner there. Um but yeah, I mean I, I would probably go Walden, but if you think you can get a outfielder on a minor league deal, um, to serve as depth, I think Wilson becomes expendable. I just it feels like Wilson is just out at this point. Maybe I'm misreading the situation, but it just it's never really felt yeah. like he's made the leap that they were hoping he would
2: I don't think he's a major leaguer um and and I think we've seen Marcus Walden get major league batters out so that would be the argument it's just that Walden at thirty two years old like is he gonna get it back yeah you know i don't I don't know whether or not that's likely uh I also just think it's likely that you can find somebody off the scrap heap that can do what
1: Wilson can do so. I don't know. Yeah, I'd probably predict Walden. Um but I would have predicted him over Naza as well, so who the hell knows? But <laughs> But I mean this is one of the yeah. arguments I think that people are making against adding another player is that you're already sort of struggling to find forty man spots. But to me, if you think you can add, say, Kevin Pollard, he makes your roster that much better I don't think hanging on to Marcus Wilson or Marcus Walden or Jeffrey Springs is necessarily worth not making that move.
2: No, no, absolutely not. I I think it would be a crazy argument to think otherwise.
1: Yeah, it seems like it seems like we're getting a little too attached to these uh, bottom of the forty man players. I really think last year did a number on us when we were like, I don't know, man, they got to keep Jeffrey Springs, so we just have <laughs> Matt Hall and. All these other guys stuck in our mind.
2: Yeah, we got to be honest with Poor ourselves. Poor Matt like,
1: Hall, man. I feel bad about
2: fifteen guys on this forty man could be gone, and I wouldn't make a difference in my life. Matt Hall is going to be
1: referenced for like decades. Oh, <laughs> just, just the like face the of garbage. of all time. Poor guy. He made like three appearances, and that's just. He's still in the organization too. Maybe we'll see him again this year.
2: The other guy I think that left a Matt Hall like impression was Ryan Weber as a starter. That was just really, really bad. Yeah,
1: he was pretty good as a reliever though.
2: Yeah, he was he was fine. Um, but you know the the starting yeah, was, thing. Just...
1: Not a, yeah, I mean he's like a he's like Kyle Hart. Kyle Hart's kind of the same guy just a few years younger. Yep. Um, yeah, so we alluded to it, but spring training does actually start this week Um, there will be workouts at the end of the week with pitchers and catchers Uh, position players will report early next week Um, any specific storylines any specific non-roster guys you're excited about just anything specifically you're excited about with camp getting started
2: yeah there's a couple things Um, for the non-roster invites um, excited to see to see thad ward how he looks Uh, after last year because we didn't really get to see anything from him. Um, So I'll be excited to see what his stuff looks like, what the reports are there. Um, Frank German or Herman, I don't know how we say that because I've heard it both ways now. Uh, The guy they acquired from the Yankees, he got a non-roster. And then Josh Winkowski, both of those guys new to the organization, so I'll be interested in them. And then two Guys who are already in the Red Sox system Who I'm interested in Is uh, Seth Blair Who the reports were pretty good on And then Andrew Paliti, Whose name has been popping up kind of a lot As a, a bit of a sleeper guy In the Red Sox system Keith Law really likes him I'm interested to see what his stuff looks like So I guess all on the pitching side for me
1: Yeah I think I'll go the other way Although I'll start with the pitcher um, Durbin Feltman I have decided I'm gonna be the Jarman Feltman guy this year. Um, so <laughs> I'm excited to see what his stuff looks like. Um, I think he has a legitimate chance to pop up again as a legitimate major league option. I wouldn't I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he's like totally out of our consciousness by July. I also wouldn't be surprised if he's in the majors by July. Um, I mean, if that stuff comes yep. back, it's he had back of the bullpen stuff just a couple of years ago. I'm not ready to give up on him yet, so I'm interested to see what he looks like. Um, I'm interested to see Nick York. Um, I thought it was really interesting that he got um, he got invited to camp. Just, I mean, he was in high school at this time last year. I'm a little thrown off right now because Fangraphs has him listed as uh, Mick Abel. So I was yeah, surprised to hell? see a second baseman named Nick Abel um, on the Red Sox. Stuff <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, yeah, so Nick York is a guy I'm interested in seeing. And then, obviously, I mean, Tristan Casas. I just want to see Tristan Casas play baseball. Um, and then I'm interested in hearing about Eduardo Rodriguez and what his status is. Um, everything has mm-hmm. just been so positive. And so I'm really hoping that I usually am pretty cynical about those kinds of reports, Um, I get to see it to believe it, but, I mean, I'm really hoping he's coming out, and just, like, on a normal time frame, that would be, that would make me feel a lot better about this season, and just, I mean, it would make me feel better about last season, too, because he didn't get it playing, but it just, it always felt a little gross playing while he was dealing with, like, very serious issues, so, um, that's probably gonna be, like, the first thing I'm on the lookout for, is how is he feeling, and what's his training regimen looking like?
2: Yeah, it's just a huge year for, for him professionally in all ways. You know, the, the fact that he is battling back from something that could have cost him his livelihood to the fact that he's, you know, uh, going to be playing in his his walk year as well. So he has a lot to prove. I think that he's probably the guy who is going to have the most eyes on him. Uh, I don't think that with without a doubt uh, for the returning guys, I think, at least, at least until Chris Sale gets back.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think... I think he's arguably the most important player on the roster. I think they probably need him to be their best starting pitcher if they're going to surprise people this year. Um, if he's just sort of middle of the road, and they're counting on Nathan Evaldi to stay healthy at the top of their rotation or Garrett Richards, um, that's that's a tough spot to be.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's not where
1: you want. All right, uh, let's do some listener questions, and then we will get out of here. Uh, so the first one comes from the Surfing Guy. Um, he asks, he hasn't heard much about Franchi Cordero's defensive metrics, uh, other than he has elite speed. Uh, so you also know if you have any insight how he'll fend uh, in center field or right field at Fenway. Um, do you think he's going to pretty much stick in left field, or do you think they're going to move him around a little bit?
2: Um, I think they'll move him around a little bit. Uh, I tried to look this up, and I found his defensive metrics from 2018. It was a pretty small sample size from that year. As well, but kind of all of the years uh, that outs above average have existed, he's played a small sample size. And that year, he was the 123rd ranked um, defensive outfielder um, with a negative two outs above average. And he was pretty much neutral, um, you, you know, in terms of going left to right on the ball. And he lost a little bit going in and going back on the ball. So I think he's probably. Neutral-ish, um, maybe slightly below average.
1: Yeah, I think he will be fine in left field, especially at Fenway. Yeah, I would probably try to avoid moving him around. Um, despite the speed, I don't think the scouting reports have ever been like super high on his defense. Um, and I mean, like you said, the samples have been tiny, but uh, he's been bad by whatever metric you you want to look at: DRS, UZR. <laughs> You mentioned outs above average. Um, so, I mean, I I think they'll probably move him around a little bit um, just because that's sort of the theme of the year is everybody's going to be moving around. But I think I'm not really expecting much from him other than in left field or, like, right field at Yankee Stadium. That's pretty much their left field. Yeah, that's a joke over there. Um, all right, let's see. Existential Judge Dredd has a couple questions. Uh, first, to the Benintendi trade, uh, how soon are you expecting to know about the players to be named later?
2: I think a month into the minor league season for at least two of them, but I'm not sure if the Mets player to be named later is on the same timeline. That was reported by Peter Gamins.
1: Yeah, so that would be... Do we know if the minor league season's starting in May? Has that been officially the, announced? I
2: th- I think the thought is that uh there's still some chance that uh Triple A starts yeah, AAA's gonna start at the same on time. time.
1: As a majors.
2: Right. Right, because it ha- kinda has yeah, to. Those guys um but uh the other ones I think are gonna start in yeah, May.
1: I'd seen that reported. So that would be June. Um, yeah. by the time that happens.
2: And I would bet by the all star break we know all of the players.
1: Yeah, that probably sounds about right. Um I'd probably go a little bit earlier than that, but who knows. Um, We still never heard anything about Josh Ocic. I'm assuming that just turned to cash.
2: Yeah, I assume it's cash, and I assume we'll hear in like a month or something.
1: Uh, Let's see. Will the Red Sox sign a free agent for a second base or center field? Uh, We kind of talked about that, but um, I think we both came down as no, but I said I would like to see them too. I think you probably, you said you would stay pat?
2: Um man i guess i don't have any super strong feelings about it i would given my choice i'll probably i would say i'm like 51 percent. i would like them to see sign kevin pilar and lose a reliever
1: yeah i'm probably more like 70 percent um but i i I get the i get the case for a three-man bench because um, I think it can
2: happen, you know, like they can make yeah, it Yeah,
1: yeah, totally. I mean, there's so much versatility. Yeah. Everybody can play pretty much everywhere. Um, Jake asks, uh, expectations for Alex Verdugo, can he replicate last year offensively? And uh, what are you expecting from him defensively at center field?
2: So my expectations offensively are he can absolutely replicate what he did last year. Um I think he's going to get better in a lot of ways, being another year removed from the back issues. Um, and he got lucky to have the performance that he did last year in a few ways. There, you know, The expected metrics for what he did last year certainly don't point to the season that he actually had. But uh, in years past, when he's been healthier, his expected metrics were right in line with the type of season that he did produce last year. So again, last year is probably a true talent level for him but i think that he could maybe gain a little bit more pop as he gets healthier and maybe even a little bit more athleticism that could lead to some some stolen bases but i think he'll be a solidly average to slightly above average center fielder so i'm i'm looking for big things from him
1: yeah i think i'm a little bit lower on for than a lot of people um i think he's a good player i don't think he's a great player um I'm expecting a drop-off on offense. He had a 126 wRC plus last year, um, heavily floated by a 371 BABIP. I do think he's skilled enough where he's gonna that that BABIP isn't just gonna like fall through the roof and he's gonna fall to like a league average hitter. But I think he's probably like a three-win player, um, which is good. I mean, I don't want to make it sound like that's trash. Um, that's a good player, but I just It seems like he. Some people have been thinking that he. I I don't buy him making like a star leap at any point. I think he's going to be
2: a four win player next year.
1: Yeah, I think. I don't know. I mean, I just. I don't see anything offensively that stands out to me that he can keep up a 125 to 130 WRC plus range.
2: Yeah, I'm just trying to bring up his um, his player page here uh, for a second. I think he's but, good at like, it...
1: everything, but I don't think he's great at anything.
2: So, let me just give you some interesting food for thought uh, in terms of his expected metrics. In 2019, uh, his expected batting average was ninety-first percentile. Expected K percentage ninety-third percentile. And all of his ex- exit velo, hard hit rate, and all that stuff was like fifty percent. And he pretty much stayed in in terms of his like baseline metrics exactly what he was in twenty twenty. So you're right. Like he had a lot of babip luck in twenty twenty. Uh, even though the expected metrics said he should be a lot worse. But then last year his exit velo is 20th percentile hard hit 27th you know the expected be batting average 33rd percentile so he got really lucky with batted ball stuff but i expect all the other stuff to bounce back to 2019 levels which i think will keep him right at the performance where he's at and his outfielder jump was 98th percentile last year so He's really good in the field in a lot of ways, and I think as he learns Benway and gets healthier, that that's only going to get better. Yeah, I'm
1: not worried about him defensively at all. Um, it's I guess it's just more. I think he's a good hitter, not a great hitter. Um, I haven't really seen anything to suggest to me that he's going to be a great hitter, which is fine. He doesn't need to be. He doesn't. Um, he's a, he should hit at the top of the lineup. A three, a three to three and a half one players of very valuable player i just don't think he's going to be a star at any point in his career
2: yeah i think we're we're probably a full win off with each other i see him more as like a four to four and a half win player
1: and i mean i think i'm also a little concerned about health um just because i mean he's had back issues back issues are not things that tend to go away but i've also been worried about jd martinez for like three years and that hasn't happened so very much not a doctor (laughs) Um, marino out asks uh, are the red Sox building towards 2022 and accepting they're not good enough to compete in 2021
2: see this is an interesting one man i i don't see them as like uh accepting that they're not good enough in 2022 i just think that 2022 is the year that you fully assess what you have here in this roster in order to make accurate organizational choices in 2022 if that makes any sense yeah you know i think that they're going to be much more in in 2020
1: yeah i mean i think this question is too too black and white and too binary right um, i certainly think that they acknowledge that they should be better in 2022 than 2021 i think i think they do legitimately believe that they have a road to contention um, I probably would argue that their margin for error is slimmer than they probably would I am not super optimistic I'm mildly optimistic that they can compete um, but I mean I don't think this is this isn't an example of them just tossing the season aside it's also not an example of them pushing all in it's somewhere in the middle yeah
2: I agree uh, it's just in- interesting looking at this roster, how many guys are not homegrown on this roster right now. They have 11 homegrown guys out of their, uh, the the 42 players listed on their, their 40 man roster right now in terms of fan graphs, because they still haven't updated some of the upcoming choices, but it's just kind of fascinating. Uh, 16 guys acquired by trade, 11 by free agency, two off waivers, two off rule five. It's, it's a really interesting mix that looks nothing like 2018.
1: I would guess that number is higher by the end of the year. Um,
2: of non-homegrown or homegrown? Um, yeah. Who do who do you see added by the end? Casas and Downs?
1: Uh, maybe Casas, definitely Downs, Mata. Um, oh, on the 40. You're talking 40 men. I was thinking active roster. Yeah. Um, maybe not as many on the 40 men then. Duran.
2: Yeah, if we're talking just the active, we have three, four, five, six, seven. Seven projected on the active. Downs isn't a homegrown player.
1: Does he count as a homegrown player? I don't know the definition of homegrown player
2: is. Uh, Well, I don't know, because they're they're counting Sawamura as a homegrown guy, which certainly that shouldn't be.
1: That's a... Nitpicking conversation that doesn't sound very interesting <laughs> to me. So I'm gonna move on. No, <laughs> uh, one more question comes from uh, Patty Adcock. Uh, she is wondering about the status of Rodriguez, Ivaldi, um, Sale, um, anything that's come out on them. I haven't really heard anything. Sale had the setback. I don't think it was anything too major. Um, and as far as I know, I mean, like I said with Rodriguez, it seemed to be all positive. I haven't heard anything about Nate Ivaldi, which can only be good news.
2: Yeah, I think uh, the the person we have the most recent news on is Sale. I saw a report that the neck thing that he was reportedly dealing with was like not an issue at all, um, and that that hasn't changed his timeline whatsoever. So, I fully expect that those guys' timelines haven't changed at all right now. Yeah, I, based on the info we have. Yeah,
1: I mean, I think right now the the question for Rodriguez, and this is obviously subject to change. Uh, but it's probably more about how many innings he'll be able to throw to start the year, um, rather than whether or not he'll be on the roster. I think right now, all signs point to him definitely being on the roster. But I wouldn't be surprised if he's on like a four or five inning limit to start the season.
2: Yeah, I would. I would go so far as to say I kind of expect. Yeah,
1: that. I did see, but like I said, they've just been so positive about it. It's kind of like freaking me out. It's like, what <laughs> well, is going? on? <laughs> guy like it's a good couldn't walk on a treadmill until the. First day of the off season, and I don't know. It's it's very strange to me. But again, again, not, man, yeah, not, yeah, not, not a, a doctor. doctor. <laughs> I've always been very bad at the sciences. Um, it's not, not my strong suit. All right, let's, All right. let's finish this off <laughs> Um, so we hope you enjoyed today's episode. Uh, if you did, please rate, review, um, subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, the whole Over the Monster feed. It's going to be picking back up in full swing uh, next month and then obviously a couple months in the regular season we'll be really going uh, follow us on Twitter I run the Over the Monster account at Over the Monster. Jake is at DevJake uh, you can read all of our writing at OverTheMonster.com uh, did I get everything? I think you did until right, next time guys